Wow. Uh, praise God. Praise God. If you'll bow with me one more time. Father, I come at this time to bring the message. And Lord, as always, I pray that this, though it's my voice, that the words and the message would be yours and that they would land in the place they need to land and that your Holy Spirit would be the power that guides each of us throughout this morning, but throughout our lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you may have noticed a theme, something about some woman at some well. And uh, if uh, it's a rather long passage. It's out of John chapter 4. If you want to follow along with your Bible, you can. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit um, this morning um, to, to, uh, to kind of move, move it along a little bit. But we're beginning in John chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food, so they weren't there. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket. This well is deep. I happen to know it. I come here all the time. Oh, wait, that's not in there. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob and that brought all his flocks to the well to eat to, or to drink and all his sons who drank? And Jesus said, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said, dude, give me this water. I want that because I'm really tired of having to come back here every day and, and get water. So give me this living water so that I don't have to keep coming back here to draw water. And Jesus said, go call your husband and come back. And the woman said, I don't have a husband. He said, you know, you're right about that. The guy that you're living with right now is not your husband. You had five husbands, but that guy is not one of them. And she said, uh-oh, you're a prophet, aren't you? <laughs> Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you say that the place where people should worship is in Jerusalem. And then Jesus transformed some things. He, he told her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming that you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he's going to proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came back. They were astonished that he was speaking to this woman. So they all said, what are you doing? What? You can't. No, they didn't say anything it's jesus <laughs> they were just sat over in the corner going wow i'm astonished <laughs> jesus had that effect on them a lot they were probably scratching their heads going uh-oh what's he doing now then the woman left her water jar went to the city and this is critical for this morning for us the woman left her water jar went back to the city she said to the people Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city and were on their way to him. 
And many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay, and he stayed for two days, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this truly is the Savior of the world. See, we're starting the journey. This is the beginning of the journey, and and our topic for the next four weeks is always be prepared. Always be prepared to defend your, the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to be talking about our story. So here's what happened. And this is the main point. This is an important point. I'm going to say it. I'm going to open with it. And I'm going to close with it. She shared, God moved, others came, and lives were changed forever. Say that with me. She shared, God moved, others came to him, lives were changed forever. Catch that. Catch that. She shared, God moved, others came to him, and lives were changed forever. It's a simple truth that when you encounter the, the living Christ, you are no longer the same. You cannot stay the same when you encounter Christ. In fact, you're compelled to tell people about what happened. That happens in this story. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of this Samaritan woman. She's minding her own business, right? So we're walking up to the well. I'm going to go and, and get my bucket and throw it down there. I'm a little late coming to the well. There's lots of people who think lots of things about why that is. really doesn't matter. She's at the well with her bucket. And along comes this guy. It's not just a regular guy. It's a Jewish guy. And my people don't like those people. We don't hang out. We don't talk. We don't do that. So let me give you a little background to this. Israel had once been divided into northern and southern kingdoms. The Samaritans were people who lived in what would be called the northern kingdom. If you give me the next slide. Samaria, the name of the kingdom's capital, was located between Galilee in the north and Judea in the south. The Samaritans were a racially mixed society with Jewish and pagan ancestry. They worshipped Yahweh like the Jews, but their religion wasn't mainstream. They only believed in the first five books of the Bible, the Moses text, the Pentateuch. That's what they believed. That's what the Samaritans hung on to. They worshipped on Mount Gerizim instead of Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Now, because of this imperfect adherence to Judaism and their partly pagan ancestry, the Samaritans were despised by ordinary Jews. In fact, what would happen if the Jews were traveling Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem's down on the bottom, just above Judea. I know it's hard to see. And Galilee is up on the top. This is the route that they would take to avoid going through Samaria. So if you're going from Jerusalem, you would go across the Jordan River. You would travel past Samaria, and you would cross the Jordan River again. Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. You didn't go through Samaria, and yet... Here we are, right? Jesus is in Samaria. You ever not want to go someplace that God wanted you to go? <laughs> yeah, I know. The amazing thing that God does when we actually go to those places, though, is transformative. It's transformative. So the Samaritans were separated from and they were looked down upon by the Jews and that makes them really important in the New Testament. There's this story of the woman at the well, but there's another story about a Samaritan. Perhaps you've heard it. Jesus tell it. There was a guy that 
was headed headed uh, uh, in a, in a, on a country road, and he got robbed and beaten and thrown off to the side, and a Jewish uh, priest comes by and says, oh, I can't go over there. He'll make me unclean. And a scribe comes by and goes across the road and avoids him. But you know who came by? A Samaritan. In fact, not just a Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. So the Good Samaritan story, you know why they had to add good? Because what were Samaritans? They were bad. <laughs> hey, there's one good one. <laughs> so, so the Good Samaritan comes by and he helps him. And, and he, I think Jesus uses this precisely because Samaritans were despised. He's once again going to the Jews and saying, you need to change. You've got to stop this. You gotta, you're going to have to open up your minds. In our passage today, Jesus contradicts the norms. He passes through their town instead of the roundabout way across the Jordan to avoid them. And then, of all the nerve, Jesus speaks to a woman. <sighs> I know for us it's like, okay, so what? Back then, big deal. Especially a Jew to a Samaritan, but... He should not have done that by the cultural norms of the day. So one more time, Jesus is going, I don't care what the cultural norms are. I've got, God has sent me here to accomplish something, and I am going to accomplish that. I'm going to follow God, not what the culture says. And he did. Give me a drink. Give me a drink. Remember, she, she's at the well, minding her own business, and give me a drink. What, you, wait, what? You can't talk to me. What, what do you mean, give me a drink? How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan? And given the history and the circumstances, that should have been the end of it. Either she would have given him a drink or not given him a drink, but that would have been it. But Jesus, Jesus had a task. He had a goal here. And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked me, and he would have given you living water living water. Now, that undoubtedly confused her, right? You're here for water, and now this Jew is talking about living water, and you don't know what he's talking about. And so you get, you, at the natural human response, um, excuse me, dude, but you don't even have a bucket. I happen to, I come here every day. This is a deep well. You don't have a rope. If you don't have a bucket and a rope, you're not going to get any water out of this well because... I know. It's just not going to work for you. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's a very human response from a human place. She's wondering what the heck Jesus is talking about when he says living water. You don't have a bucket. And Jesus just stays right on it, right? He says, everyone who drinks of this water is going to be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water I will give them will become in them a spring of living water gushing up to eternal life. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise be to God. That's huge. The water that Jesus gives us becomes in us a spring that gushes. We can't not tell people comes and it forces our hand 
We have to tell people what's going on with us. Now, the woman probably says, well, that sounds really good. Give me this water so I'll never be thirsty again. Oh, and by the way, so I won't have to keep coming back here to draw water. And I would have probably done the same thing, right? Because I, w- I wouldn't have understood what he was talking about. She's still thinking in terms of the well and the water in the well. And he's talking about a whole different thing. And frankly, that happens a lot with God and us, at least with God and me. He tells, he's, you know, some of, the, some of the stuff that he tries to get across to me, I don't get until later. And then I go, oh, <laughs> I guess I'm alone in that. She doesn't want to keep coming back. She doesn't want to keep getting water, but she still doesn't understand. And then it gets really, really interesting and scary if you're her. Remember, we're being her. Put yourself in her shoes. He said, well, okay, go call your husband and then come on back. Um, well, sir, I don't, I don't have a husband. Well, I know that. In fact, you're living with a guy right now, and you've had five husbands, but that guy that you're living with is not one of them. Uh Uh-oh. What do you do with that, right? (laughs) She recognizes something special about this Jewish guy. So she points and says, you're a prophet, right? And he is. She doesn't know in that moment that Jesus came Remember, he didn't go the normal route. He chose this route. This was not an accidental meeting. This was a divine appointment with the woman from Samaria at the well. And he chose this route so that he could transform her. And I would say so that we could hear this and go, God is going to meet me in places and he's going to transform me. If I'm willing to go to the well, if I'm willing to go there. What if someone came in Sunday morning and introduced themselves to you? They got a big hug from Bob back there and, and, and started telling you the background story of your life. I mean, the stuff you don't talk about in church, not the, <laughs> yeah, I had a great week and, you know, I had good work and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, yeah, remember when you did this and did that? And, oh, time, <laughs> time out, time out. Um, you, nice to meet you. Let me get away from you. It'd be scary, right? It's like, okay, how far is this guy going to go? He knows way <laughs> too much about me. I don't, this is not okay, right? We don't, I'm in church. We don't do that in church. We don't, we don't talk like that in church. We like to surface. Hello, how are you? I'm Mike. <laughs> What's your name? Caden. So nice to meet you. How was your week? Good. You look very nice. That's awesome. What's the worst thing that you did all week? (laughs) 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 Only he didn't have to ask that. He would have just said, hey, remember on Wednesday? (laughs) It would freak you out. It would freak me out. It would freak anybody out. I'm sure it freaked her out. She was going, I don't know what to do with this. You know, being, I'd be nervous about my secrets becoming public knowledge, you know, and, and that w- that's one of the reasons why we have such a hard time with honesty in the church, in the world, but also in the church. But the truth is, you know, 
is sometimes a little different. Let me tell you a story. It's one of my favorite stories. I learned it, and I'm a recovering person. You guys know that. Um, and, I, and I heard this in recovery to illustrate the difference between a truth, not the truth, but a truth, and honesty. A married man went out with his friends one night, and they were going out, and they were having a good time, just kind of, you know, partying along. And he met this woman, and they ended up where they should not have been doing things that they ought not to have been doing. And then he goes home, and his wife greets him at the door and says, Oh, hey, how did it go? What did you guys do tonight? He's, well, I just went out drinking with my friends. Is that true? It's a truth. Is it honest? It's nowhere in the ballpark of honesty. And we deal with a truth a lot. Honesty, the below-the-surface stuff, we're not particularly good at that. And please hear me. I'm not saying that you go to everyone in your life and you tell them your deepest, darkest secrets. I am saying that as the body of Christ, we need a group of people that are safe, that we can trust, and that we can talk to about the things in our life that are not surface that are at depth. We've got to have those people. So I hope that you surround yourself. As part of what grow groups we hope to, that for those to be is a place for you to have a safe group of folks who can walk with you on this journey. See, the Samaritan woman was faced with the honest truth about her life, and it made her nervous, undoubtedly. She didn't expect in that moment, though, to be met by grace. Right? I've got a lot of stuff, right, from my addiction years, and I have been pleasantly astonished as folks learn those things about me that they invariably, not always, but probably 95% of the time, they meet me with grace. It's astonishing. Because in my head, it's if I tell them this, they are going to reject me. And that has not been the case in my life. And I think that's the beauty of this, uh, of this story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman because he knew her stuff. He knew her background. He knew everything that she had done wrong. He knew five marriages. He knew she was living with a guy. He knew all of this. He had every right from a Jewish uh, pharisaic rabbi perspective to judge her and condemn her. And you know what he does? He meets her with grace. And if you're here this morning and you got stuff, our God wants to meet you with grace. Now, I'm going to warn you, he's also going to meet you with a challenge if you got stuff in your life to not do it anymore. Whatever that's, if it's that sinful stuff, he wants you to change that. But he will meet you with grace. And there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling condemnation, that is not from God. That's from the enemy. That's from your, our past. Condemnation is not that conviction, guilt. Yeah, God uses that. But shame and you're a mistake, that is not God. Because God don't make no junk. And you are not junk. You are not a mistake. You are not. 
God wants to transform this moment, wants to transform your life, wants to do that in the now. Believe me, the hour is coming when you'll worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. In fact, you're going to worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit. Those who worship Him will worship in spirit and in truth. It isn't going to matter what worship used to be because it's now changed to be transformed and now we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. True worship's not just passionate and it's not just a cognitive exercise it's both passion and wisdom we are not called to a dry church god is not a dry god he is a passionate god and he wants that for you he doesn't want you to live a yuck boring junk life he doesn't. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to get it. He want, he's not hiding the secrets of the journey with you. He, he's not going to hide that. He wants you so badly to grab hold and go, just hang on, buddy, because it's going to be a whirlwind, and it will, and just go. Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. And true worship's not confined to Sunday either. It's everywhere that we go. We get to worship. We get to worship. We get to have God with us at school, at work, everywhere. How cool is that? Creator of everything with you everywhere you go. Uh-oh. Well, maybe it's not completely cool. Um, it is cool. It's completely cool, even the junk, because he'll meet you with grace. Amen? So, so that's what we're talking about. And that's what we're going to look at. Now, now catch this, because this is, this is really critical, especially we're going to spend some three weeks and then testimony week about sharing. So hear this. Jesus said to her, I, the one who is, st- is speaking to you, she asked him if he was the Messiah. Verse 28, then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Did you catch what she did? Did she say, have you read Deuteronomy? Did she go in and say, Genesis chapter 3? Did she go in and and quote scripture to the people? No. She told her story. Hey, I met this guy at the well. He's a very weird guy, but... (laughs) But he touched my heart. There's something about him. Come here. Come see. Come see. Come check it out. Come check it out with me. Because she encountered the living Christ in spirit and in truth, she had to tell people about that encounter. And when we share our encounter with Christ, lives get changed. Many Samaritans from that city, they went out, and because of her testimony, they came, but then they hung out with Jesus, and then it was, it's not because of your testimony, it's because we have seen for ourselves. But don't miss the first step, right? The woman's testimony is what opened up the door for Jesus to impact that city. Now, God can use whatever God wants to use, but hear what he did in this case because I'm convinced he wants to do it in every one of our lives. The woman's testimony opened the door for Jesus to impact the city. She shared what Jesus did with her and for her. God moved in hearts. Others came to him. She shared... God moved, others came to him, lives are changed forever. One more time, say it with me. She shared, God moved, others came to him, lives were changed forever. First, what's number one? 
She shared. Now, it's not just for women, guys. Because he shares too. Our testimony matters. doesn't happen if the first step doesn't happen. It's critical for us on, on the journey that we begin by looking at how do we do this. And we're going to spend the next few weeks examining that. I hope you're in a grow group. If you need a grow group, shoot us an email. We've got facilitators. We've got room for more groups is what I'm saying. So uh, if, if you're looking for a group, let us just send something in to either admin at arborpoint.org or whatever. We'll set up groups. That's not the issue. We want to create places for us to grow together. She shared. He shared. Lives are changed forever because of what God does.